0: Welcome to the Comics Course, a podcast offering by Miskatonic University's remote education program, Offering Literature 209, Graphical Literature and Society and History. I am your Professor Hamby, accompanied by my T.A. Rowan. Say hello, Rowan.
1: Hello, Rowan.
0: If you have comments or questions, I'm on Twitter as Prof Hamby. That is P-R-O-F-H-A-M-B-Y. Let's get class started classes in session welcome back to the podcast now we are going to do the sound of her wings and hopefully this will be a fairly short episode i will admit i have kind of put off doing this episode because it deals with issues of mortality which is not really the headspace uh for talking about that i've been in lately And it's kind of a coward's way out in that regard. Because while I'm very uh, forward in talking about how I feel that it's okay for entertainment to just be entertainment in comics, the reverse is also true in that uh, literature can be about meaningful things. And when we talk about issues like mortality and death, Literature and art in general can be ways that we learn how to cope with these ideas in our daily life rather than simply feeling the oppressive miasma of the cosmos weighing down on us, making the universe feel unbearable and overwhelming constantly.
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: uh, Not to say it's usually not overbearing and uh, unbearable, but uh, mm-hmm. sometimes art can give us a little bit of respite from that, right? Mm-hmm. So, the sound of her wings. Now, I have been referring to this as the end of Preludes and Nocturnes, which I was pretty confident was, but in looking at some material, I've been informed that it's actually the opening of uh, The Doll's House. Now, it should be noted, before people slag on me too much for this, that there was no such thing as Preludes and Nocturnes when I first read this. There was just Sandman issue one, Sandman issue two, Sandman issue three, these distinctions of the arcs really didn't start coming into later. Now, at some point, Neil Gaiman did start assigning uh, storylines to these and saying, you know, like Doll's House Part 1, Doll's House Part 2, things like that. But there were issues that did not fit into those schemes. And therefore, when the trade paperbacks were created, some stuff just got shoved wherever it made sense at the time. And... Honestly, I think The Sound of Her Wings works better as an end to Preludes and Nocturnes than it does as the opening of The Doll's House. Now, you watched this episode with me of the TV show. Mm-hmm. What did you think of it?
1: It was depressing.
0: Depressing? But,
1: but really good.
0: Now, they combine two stories here, from... The Doll's House, uh, each of which were standalone issues, and they basically just jammed them into the TV show as the first half and second half of the episode. The first half being the Sound of Her Wings, and the second half being the meeting of Hob Gandling. Was it the Sound of Her Wings part that you found depressing, or did you find some of the Hob Gandling story depressing too?
1: You know, when you put those two stories side by side, it's really hard for Hob
0: to beat it. <laughs> Right. There's a lot of emotional impact from The Sound of Her Wings that you don't mm-hmm. get from Hobgandling. Mm-hmm. And it felt awkward and weird to me. Now, these are both fan favorites. And many I've heard many people refer to The Sound of Her Wings as one of the most powerful stories in graphic literature to them. And then Hobgandling thematically rejects everything from The Sound of Her Wings. So it felt... For the first time, it felt like a major misstep in the series to me. Mm -hmm. It did not feel like they worked together at all. What did you think?
1: Yeah, it felt kind of forced to put them right next to each other.
0: I mean, there's a meta theme to The Sound of Her Wings and then a plot level theme. Mm -hmm. And the meta level theme is about dream. But the plot level theme is about death and how death comes to people. And then the entire story of Hob Gandling is about how death is never going to come for him mm-hmm. and his reactions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, the meta plot of The Sound of Her Wings is Dream using an example from death, uh, informing him about living his own existence. So, finding this meaning in death, in a sense, uh, is then completely rejected by Hob Gandling saying death is a mugs game. Mm hmm. I think they screwed up there. I do not think this was a smart choice, storytelling-wise.
1: Yeah, it felt very jarring as well in the episode.
0: Right. It felt like the awkward transition it in fact was.
1: I feel like they wanted to keep each of the episodes the same length, so instead of having two shorter episodes, they were just like, okay, we'll combine them.
0: And I think they should have kept them shorter and separated them. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people would say that the dominant theme of preludes and nocturnes is death. And I disagree with that. I disagree with it extremely strongly. And we talked previously about a dominant theme being the alienness of the endless. You know, as Dream is going around and collecting his regalia of office, we see that he is this anthropomorphic personification of the dreaming. And he is not a anthropomorphic personification. He is whatever people look at him expect to be. In fact, that's one of the reasons Gaiman used Jean Jones, the Martian Manhunter, early on in the series, to see that he's just not different flavors of people. If you have different species, he is whatever that species expects. Mm-hmm. And indeed, we will later on see a story called The Dream of a Thousand Cats, where he is a cat. Hmm. Um, and indeed, much later in the series, we see him amongst a whole host of alien species, um, appearing as whatever they are, even a dream version of an elder Cthulian god, because even the elder gods dream.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: So, is now death certainly occurs in the story? Roderick Burgess dies, and his son is cursed. Uh, we see other characters die in the course of the story. And of course, The Sound of Her Wings is about death. But is that what Dream takes away from it? So to step through the plot of The Sound of Her Wings, Dream is hanging out in what I think is Trafalgar Square. And by this point, Mike Drigenberger and Malcolm Jones III have take oven, taken over as art. And while I don't like their art as much as Sam Keith's, It definitely has a style that caught the moment perfectly in those, in that 1989 early 90s. And for those who weren't alive back then, goth was big again. And there was a lot of interest in alternative lifestyle stuff like Wiccanism and. You know, all forms of neo-paganism and stuff like that, which kind of collided and interwove with some of the goth lifestyle and things like that. Are you having trouble with your pop filter?
1: It won't stay up.
0: Well, you know, it originally was meant to hang so that it would be down and not fighting gravity. We We might need to revisit your mic setup.
1: Yeah, I don't know what happened to it. I sit down and it changes
0: Uh uh-huh yeah no human involvement in that at all anyway this hit perfectly at the time i mean this was sandman was so big at the time that top 20 artists like tori amos were dropping references to neil gaiman and her songs and apparently she and he are good friends to this day Mm -hmm. and for people who don't know who tori amos is go check out her back catalog she's a brilliant artist and her first few albums trigger warning here do deal with themes of things like sexual assault and some pretty painful bits although she often covers them up with cheerful melodies so you have to read the lyrics but the lyrics can be pretty chilling and harrowing so anyway dream is sitting here in trafalgar square and he's feeding the pigeons and then death shows up and Jeff, death says So what are you doing? Feeding the pigeons. You do that too much, you know what you get? Dream doesn't reply because he's being emo. Of course. And she goes, fat pigeons! That's a line from Mary Poppins. Mm. And she's a cheery goth! Mm. And now, in the TV show, they made her black. Very attractive black woman. I I know I've seen her act in other things, but I can't think of what else I've seen her in. Mm -hmm. But she was rather fetching i thought yeah and it, it was disconcerting for me not because i disagree with the choice i mean saying that an endless is the wrong race or gender or even species is absurd they are endless they represent all the things of the universe
1: they were really doing a bad job at showing that they weren't racist
0: the people who are complaining about uh-huh it? yeah yeah i agree <laughs> Um, I mean, it is impossible, literally impossible, to represent an Endless as any age, any body shape, any race, any gender, and have it be wrong.
1: It is a thing, not a
0: creature. Well, it's actually both. Because that's one of the difficult thematic things people have to understand about the Endless. Is that it's not that they are a creature, because they're not. They are all creatures, Dream doesn't just control the dreams of the sentient races. He is the dreams of the sentient races. There is no distinction between the entity and the thing they represent other than a little bit of a personification.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, in a way, they are Martians, they are humans, they are everything. Death, even more so, because dream is excluded from the things that don't dream. Death is all things who live and die. Mm. I mean, even freaking bacteria. Mm -hmm. So, but with that said, I've spent over 30 years envisioning death of the endless one way primarily. So it it was a little disconcerting to see the actress as death. Uh, But I thought she did a good job.
1: Mm-hmm. and they kept her same like style she just was yeah. black
0: yeah but that super pale emo goth skin and all that mm. is, I mean it's iconic mm. now does that mean it can't change eh, I think it's fine Um, the, I, I mean I honestly probably would have argued to keep her the same because of the iconicness except it pissed off a bunch of racists and I always enjoy that
1: I kind of like the way she was in the show because putting the two of them next to each other and Mm -hmm. having them be siblings was so funny.
0: Right, (laughs) He just
1: looks like the emo, like, stepbrother.
0: Well, he is. (laughs) And, of course, the, the imagery here in Sandman is iconic for him. Sitting with that one leg out, one up, breaking up bread, throwing it to the pigeons. I mean, he looks like a guy who goes home at the end of the day turns off the lights except for like one little flickering light listens to the smiths and stares off into the middle distance of the room right Mm -hmm. I mean just (laughs) you know or to put it in terms that uh, younger generations might understand he just sits around and listens to My Chemical Romance uh, The Black Parade endlessly (laughs) (laughs) although the smiths are even better for being emo just saying so we we get this dour brooding dream mm-hmm. and the chipper happy death mm-hmm. and he ends up accompanying her as she wanders around and does her work and he makes some comments that carried over from the graphic novel to the show with things like you know why do humans fear you so much sister you give them, you know, access to the sunless lands. I am much more terrible than you. You know, I torture them. You give them relief to move on. And, you know, it, it's something that he just doesn't understand. And But it's not his domain. He is a person, but not a complete person. He is one part of all people, their dreams.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Which makes him both more and less than a person. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Which is one of those dualities that you have to kind of come to understand through the reading. Now, as Death goes about her business, she visits people and Dream comes with her. And she visits this old fake Romani who played for money. He's actually Jewish. They altered him up quite a bit and dropped the Romani bit in the show. And Mm -hmm. she visits a baby, which I was kind of surprised they kept. She visits a comedian who literally dies on stage. They dropped oh, that from the show.
1: they they kept the baby instead of the comedian. Well,
0: I mean that that the, the baby part is, you know, the real knife wound, I mean. Which
1: is why I feel like they had to keep it.
0: Right. I think it was a smart choice. And they go on and on and and they show vignettes here, single panels of lots of people they didn't reference in the TV show. Somebody shot dead in an alleyway, somebody dying in a hospital. Somebody who leaps off a roof. Mm. Hmm?
1: Oh, leaving off the roof. Oh, that... mm.
0: Yeah, there's just a bunch of stuff there. And by the end of it, uh, we see that Dream has kind of recaptured his enjoyment of his office. And the sound of her wings references three things. The sound of death when she is carrying the souls off to the sunless lands. But also the pigeons both at the beginning and later except where at the beginning while where dream was throwing them pieces of bread he now pulls out of his pat pouch the sand of the dreaming and the birds are lifting up however this isn't about mortality and this is why i think this issue works better as the end of preludes and nocturnes because at the beginning he is saying to dream one of the reasons he's miserable was he thought after you know this 90 dash 100 plus years in the prison they changed the timing for the tv show and stretched it out it was a little bit less in the comics by roughly 30 years 32 years yeah 32 years uh because it was 1989 in the comics and 2022 in the tv show so it's 32 years uh and you know he dreamed of revenge he he had a mission to get his regalia back and at the end of it he just feels meh and death chews him out for being you know pathetic and emo and all that and by accompanying her his lesson was not about accepting death he's not going to die he's not really concerned with mortality What he did was rediscover a joy of being one of the endless and rediscover a fulfillment and duty through his older sister's example. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So it has nothing to do with mortality. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the major changes they made in the show was to completely change that theme. They completely changed it. Now, let's back up a little bit. Now, we've talked about how death is uh, and dream and the others, despair, destiny, desire, they are both more and less than human because they are every creature that experiences what they represent, mm-hmm. but just that aspect of their existence. Now, you notice the higher up the chain you get of the endless, the more powerful they are, the more of aspects of... of mortal existence they get. Um, Death is the eldest. Mm -hmm. All things die. Actually, I don't think she's the eldest. I think Destiny is the eldest. We haven't talked about him yet. But Destiny is all moments of creatures' lives. Uh, Mm -hmm. Death is their death which their whole lives lead up to. Mm -hmm. And then Dream is next after that. And then the others come under him because they experience even less. Mm -hmm. And We see Dreams, the humanity of an Endless, even up to this point in the series. He loved Nadia. Nadia. Nada. And because he was jilted and enraged, he has put her in hell for 10,000 years.
1: He's such a nice guy.
0: Well, he's obviously not a nice guy. But is a guy. I mean, that's a very human sort of emotion. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. He experienced a desire for revenge, for boredom. He has many human emotions in the course of all this. And I guess they were concerned that that didn't communicate to people in the course of the TV show. So the theme of the comic, which is him re-embracing his nature as Dream of the Endless after being in this, you know, uh, prison for a century... In the TV show, they changed it to a message of him connecting with humanity through death. Mm. Now, a connection with humanity is intrinsic to his duties. But that wasn't the purpose of the comic. The comic was him finding fulfillment in his function. Not in the fact that he's helping humanity in some way. Which was definitely the message of the first half Of sound of her wings now that does play really well into the hobgadling half now here i I have a little bit of a challenge do i talk about hobgadling here or more later on when we talk about it in the comics context
1: maybe a little bit here
0: just a little bit yeah so the basic premise of hobgadling and he shows up a few times in the series but primarily in an issue dedicated to him is that in the 1300s he is a mercenary and dream and death overhear him in a pub and he says death is a mugs game and so death arranges for him to never have to die and this sets up this relationship between him and dream who has one set of expectations And Hob doesn't exactly follow Dream's expectations of what a human will do, right?
1: Once again, God's making bets with human lives. Yep. What's new?
0: So, Dream ends up having a connection. Hob becomes a friend. And so, in the TV show, where the sound of her wings is about him reconnecting to humanity, plays perfectly into this relationship with Hob Gadling. So I guess it does make sense for the TV show in that regard. But it's very jarring from the comic standpoint because they've totally changed the theme of The Sound of Her Wings, which feels really weird to me considering what an iconic story this is. I mean, I've heard many people over the years talk about how this helped them come to terms with a loved one's death. Mm. And they... I mean, they did kind of keep that theme, but... It feels dangerous to me to change a story that is that iconic and powerful Mm -hmm. to people. But they did stick with the theme, so maybe it was the right thing to do. Mm. I feel like I'm talking myself out of my own opinions from the beginning of the podcast.
1: Maybe you are. Maybe you're processing it.
0: But this, this is what talking about and thinking about literature is, you know, that, that you discover things in it that you even don't expect initially. So, a heads up for people. If you watch the TV show, the themes are very different. And I do think that, at least in the graphic literature form, The Sound of Her Wings works much better as a conclusion to Preludes and Nocturnes than it does the beginning of The Doll's House. Now... At this point, we have, I think, five more episodes of the TV show to go, which will go through Dream, uh, uh, sorry, Doll's House. And I'm kind of inclined to just, I don't want to stretch out Sandman super long. I mean, we've, we've basically taken about eight, nine issues here and gotten four episodes out of it. Um, but I think for our next episode, we'll do the entirety of Doll's House at once. How does that sound? Sounds good. And then continue each week to do one story arc. From sandman until we wrap it up and then we have to find something new so folks out there prof hamby on twitter uh social media links at the end of the podcast send me ideas for what i should do next because mm-hmm. i gotta work that crap out and there we go we are at 23 minutes this may be one of our shortest ones ever Ooh. so this episode is out late we apologize for that you're not even wearing your headphones Oh my lord. Look at the lack of professionalism here. Sorry. Man, you're getting paid to do this too, you know. See the disdain I get. Okay. So we're posting this late on third on Tuesday. We're literally recording it late on Tuesday because we've been <laughs> so bad about getting stuff done on time lately. Mm-hmm. Um but our next episode up is on Thursday. And it's going to be about dimensions of time and space. All right. So class is dismissed. Class is over. But before you leave your seats, we have one more teaching moment. New podcasts drop on Mondays and Thursdays. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tons of other platforms, as well as YouTube. Our hosting is at comicscourse.captivate.fm, which also has our RSS feed. If you want to find our website, TikTok, any of that other stuff, constantly updated list is at linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot e forward slash Prof